Welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, Captain's Log Project. Francis Murphy is also here. Yo, yo, yo. Yes, we're on episode nine. Film nine, I suppose. Yes. Star Trek Nine Insurrection. Is that the full name? Well, it's just Star Trek Insurrection. It's yeah. Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. Right, okay. And that's basically all we can say about this film. <laughs> <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's get out there that we're we've got food that we want to eat so we're kind of uh cutting this short and it's not at all that the film is not that interesting to you it kind of is see I, i've not watched it for years precisely because it bored me a lot in the cinema um i don't know i, I don't know how i feel about it I, I just thought it was quite boring and i don't really know what to say so i'm going to tell you some facts director jonathan frakes good composer Jerry Goldsmith. Cast the same. The Enterprise. Aliens. Things like that. Um, moral conundrum. Some kind. Um, planets. Um, and what else? Wow, you've sold me on this film. Those planets? Yeah. Those fucking planets? Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you know what's also kind of like... Well, planets is a, a globe, but it looks like a sphere. No, it is a sphere, but it looks like a circle. And a pizza is also a circle. And we've got pizza, so we have to eat it. Wow. So let's do that and watch this thing. Oh, come comes round full circle, eh? It does, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so not much to set up here that you really want to go into. You're rather just going to and watch it. Yeah, because I don't want to be... I could be very unkind about this film, but I've not seen it for so long that I don't really remember. I just remember the impression of being bored. Okay, so very low expectations, I would say, for this one. Um, I mean, this you've not... You know, said that this is the worst. We've already watched what you feel is the worst, so we're giving this one quite short shrift. Well, let's say that the Star Trek movies were staff in an office. This would be the quiet guy that does his job every day, but nobody knows his name. All right, then. On that note, we're now going to go and watch Star Trek Insurrection. Bye. Oh, and by the way, this will be a spoiler, you know, afterwards. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, not that there's much to spoil. Anyways, on that, bye. Okay, we're back. Uh, let's just pull back the curtain and see what the hell's happened here. We, okay. We watched this film, kind of. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going particularly well in terms of my enjoyment. It was all right, I'll say, at best. Mm-hmm. You were almost knocked out. Yes. Yep. <laughs> see, this is quite funny, actually. And, and yeah. therefore... We are doing this podcast about two weeks later. Yeah. So, if you want a review of this film, the film... And I'm a Star Trek fan. The film is so bad that I was knocked into unconsciousness by it on a repeat viewing. And Steve managed to watch it, but I think the only reason he did is because it was new. It wasn't like a second assault. 
Yeah. Now imagine you get beaten up once, you might still be conscious. But if you were then immediately beaten up again, you would definitely be unconscious. I just think the film was boring. Look, let me just remind you of something. Captain Picard and Data singing a British tower in the shuttle. Mm. Do you remember that with the terrible special effects? See, this is the other problem. It's been two weeks since I watched it. The film didn't make almost any impression on me other than I am kind of bored. And therefore, a lot of the stuff I don't recall. So it's going to be an interesting podcast. However, that, that now that you have mentioned it, I do remember. It's terrible. Tonally, that was weird. Uh, It didn't fit. Yeah. Where do we start with this one? What were they thinking, right? Think about it, right? You've just made bloody Star Trek First Contact, right? The best action film in the Star Trek franchise and the second best movie out of, you know, however many it was. Was it eight at the time? Eight. Eight films, right? The second best of the whole lot. Your next movie, you decide to make a weird, hippie character piece about folk. I don't even know, right? In fact, let me explain the plot. There's there's something to be said for keeping people on their toes and mixing up genres and all that sort of stuff. However... I mean, knocking someone into unconsciousness is not keeping them on their toes. I feel like we should have explained exactly why that happened, because otherwise this is very... (laughs) We're being a bit elusive here. Mm. <laughs> right. You had essentially one of the worst migraines you've ever had. Yes. Um, not necessarily brought on by the film, we'll have to state, let's be honest. I don't know if it was or wasn't, to be honest. Well, you, or was exacerbated. I'd say it's your prescription needed changed and you were <laughs> up close to the laptop. Prescription of glasses, by the way, not, yeah. not psycho-inducing uh, drugs or anything like that. So, you know, you were sleeping. You actually fell asleep on my floor. <laughs> and I had to try and wake you up. And yeah. I was snoring. Yeah. So we decided a podcast right after that was probably not going to happen, which it didn't. Well, I couldn't even see because I get those visual distortions. But allow us to take you through, allow me to take you through the plot of the film, right? And I will refresh you on this. Mm. The Enterprise is on a diplomatic mission to. Alderaan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was even what, what is it? Um, we're on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. Um, so. That'd be an interesting film, actually. Two seconds. A film set in Alderaan, and then at the very end, it's like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it uh, looks like a moon. Yeah. And yeah. Then... That's no moon. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Anyway, sorry. Yep. See, it's so bad. We're talking about other things, and yeah. we're only discussing the movie. So, the Enterprise is on a diplomatic mission to secure peaceful relations with this new species that's just got warp drive, precisely because they're in the midst of the Dominion War, which is a nice callback to the TV show at the time, which is continuity. And it's commented on while they're there, they meet a wharf who coincidentally happens to be on some sort of mission nearby because he's not posted on the Enterprise anymore. While they're there, they get a message from this admiral saying that Data has gone insane. Now, we actually saw Data go mad in a weird scene where he ransacked his way through. Data has been sent on some mission to some planet filled with primitive people all weaving baskets together in some lovely commune and some idyllic hippie paradise where the Starfleet crew are spying on them from some hidden cloaked base. But Data's out there with a weird red suit on that's cloaked, but then he just goes nuts, runs through the thing, talking technobabble, pulls his helmet off, which suddenly his head appears in the midair because he's cloaked. The villagers all get scared. And then 
the Starfleet folk on it, data shoots the base, which reveals the Starfleet crew to the natives. And then the Admiral contacts the Enterprise on this mission to say, you have to come in and, 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 or no, he says, we're going to destroy data because data's gone mad. And Picard says, no, I want to come and see if I can save him. So they come, the Enterprise ends up next to this planet. They meet the Admiral and all that. And then that's how the, the British tar thing happens when the, when Worf and Picard go on the shuttle to get data and chase him down in another shuttle. And then they sing this song that Data had been practicing for some performance on the ship, which triggers Data's memory or something. And then, and I then feel they, like at this point you're talking about a completely different film from what I remember. I know, but anyway, this it's, is, it's hard for me to explain. I know. So, so then they get Data back on the Enterprise, and Data says, "I don't remember anything." Um, and uh, then there's this mystery: what set Data off? So they go down to the planet, and then they find out that the natives on the planet are actually highly advanced, and they only appear to be primitive because. They decided to give up technology. So the Federation, uh, Picard reports back to the Admiral and says, Admiral, we've got no right to deal with any of this. Um, these people are warp capable. They, they could have starships if they want. And then the Admiral explains that they're there with their, their partners, this other race, it's called the Sona, to cl- collect particles from the rings that will give everybody eternal youth. Right. Turns out that the people on the planet are like 900 million years old or whatever, because they've lived there among these particles. So then they discover, <laughs> then they discover a gigantic cardboard box shaped ship in the middle of a lake, with cloaked. <laughs> and oh god, I don't even know. So so what had happened was the admiral was going behind Starfleet's back to to put the the natives on this sh- this ship with a giant holodeck on it to take them to another planet and dump them there so that they could take the stuff out of the planet's rings and use it for the Federation because it would destroy the planet, basically. So they didn't want to kill the people. But the crime here would be that these people would be dumped on another planet and then suddenly start to age. And these are people that have the right to control their own destiny, basically. And that's it. then Picard decides... Sorry. I know you want to say something. No, no, it's, so, it's so, fine. So then Picard decides... Basically, the crew's been affected by this metagenic radiation or whatever it's called, so they're all starting to feel young again. Like, Worf has got a spot. A gorch, as they call it. Troy's boobs are getting bigger, and, and Riker and Troy are getting, like... Like, there's a scene where Troy is shaving Riker's beard in a bath together. <laughs> and so the cl- crew's rebellious. They decide they're going to fight back against the Admiral and defy Starfleet. They form this rebellion to try and stop them moving the people, and they win in the end, basically. And the the, the enemy aliens look like Joan Rivers in a hundred years' time. Basically, they're like plastic surgery gone wrong, aren't they? They've all got stretched out faces. They're trying to stay young. Mm. And then they they put the admiral into the machine, don't they? Remember that? She didn't strike me as like, you know, I thought she was. No, the aliens on the planet. I'm talking about the ones on in space. Oh, the other ones. <laughs> I was like, because I'm, I'm picturing she was, she was pretty, <laughs> right? Okay, but it's a disjointed, yeah, boring forgot, mess. And now Adam's going to be annoyed with me because Adam loves this film, right? So now, Adam's my friend. I've mentioned him a couple of times on these podcasts, but he loves this film and he listens to these, so he's going to be annoyed at me for saying this. Well, but, the thing is, because you. This is feeding off me, right? Because I clearly didn't like this film. And you set me up in terms of you're not going to like this film and turns out turns out you were right. However. But it was this, so bad you don't even remember it. I think that what helps usually is you sometimes give me, when I'm like, 
Okay, why, why is that guy doing that? Okay, what's going on here? A lot of times I'm a bit slow in the pickup as well as sometimes Star Trek doesn't, I don't think, do the best at explaining some stuff because there's an expectation you've seen the television series a little. Yeah, but also... But, but as well, this film was... It was languid. Uh, it didn't really pick up. It, it had no direction. Yeah. Now think about this, right? Let me explain Star Trek First Contact to you, right? Now think about the long meandering explanation I just went through, right? Mm. Star Trek First Contact. Borg come to Earth, go back in time to kill the guy who creates warp drive. Enterprise follows them back. Half the crew have to help the guy on the planet create warp drive. Half the crew on the ship have to fight the Borg. The end. Simple. Direct. We know what's happening in the film. Who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, what the plot is, where everybody is, and what the objective is. Save humanity, destroy the Borg. Two distinct plot threads, handily separated. Everybody gets a turn on the screen. Star Trek Insurrection. It's about as confused as a teenager. Right? Which is ironic, given the fact that that's what it was trying to convey. Well, this film, because in, in a sense, this would maybe been... It seems like the sort of thing that might have just been an episode. Like, it was just mm-hmm. a really long episode. Yeah, but just like, why it's wrong. It didn't feel like it had the strength of what you would expect from a Star Trek film. Mm-hmm. On the bigger scale. And I mean, the special effects were terrible. I thought the scene, it was the actual direction. I see, I don't know why but they were all running, um, all the extras from, and it it just didn't look like anyone was really in distress. I didn't uh-huh. think people were running for. It's like they were on an exercise or something. Confused. Like you could tell that somebody's told them, look over here. And it just, something wasn't quite right about it. Uh-huh. There was no real urgency to it or something. I don't know. But you've previously said that the fifth film, Final Frontier, is the worst Star Trek film, without a doubt, as you've said. I know, so but how I, the hell... well, I may have to re- I may have to reevaluate that position, and I think partly because you never spoke so vehemently about it. But it's it. probably because I've erased it from my thoughts so much. I, I suppose really, Star Trek Five gets a bad rap because it's easy to do it because it's kind of it's kind of funny to rag on Shatner a bit because he's a bit pompous sometimes and. You know, he likes to be the leading man and, and, and all that kind of thing. But really, Star Trek V actually had some great scenes in it. Star Trek V wasn't as bad as it was made out to be, whereas this film was actually worse. You know, that's why I described it as the guy in the office that everybody... That nobody knows their name. Because this isn't the office asshole. Even the office asshole has an occasional funny joke, right? And you everybody will kind of go, ah, oh, we're giving that one, right? This is the guy that everybody just doesn't even see. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is the person who... Like people knock their coffee out their hand by accident and don't notice they've done it. You know what I mean? Like, this is the person who probably wakes up and thinks, Am I dead? Did I die? And is this me just wandering around as a ghost? That's what this film is to me. Like, it's so, so boring. When now, I think of this a film as a colour, is beige. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's incredible. But the thing blind. is, it is beige. The village is beige. Yeah, that's, that's why. It, and all the clothes. Yeah, there's something about the look of, in the presentation of the film that actually helps oh, that. Oh, my God. That metaphor. You know how annoying it was, right, as a Star Trek fan that year? Because Star uh, The Phantom Menace came out that year, right? I can't remember if it came... No, The Phantom Menace came out after this, I think. So I'd went to see Star Trek for, um, Insurrection that year, and I thought, please God, let them do another First Contact, because Star Trek's got to really kind of show it's got the goods in the year that's... Think about it, right? They decided to release this film the year the first Star Wars film was coming out in 16 years. This is what they put out, right? You know... Literally, this would this would bore people in an old folks' home, right? Old people who were who 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 didn't even know what was happening would be saying, "This this is boring." 
what is this? I'm confused by this, even though I have dementia. Say what you will about the Phantom Menace. I suppose that's one thing it didn't do. Well, it was action-packed at certain points, at least. I mean, it was stupid and all that. And I can forgive stupidity. I can forgive that. What I can't forgive is banality. Like, there's another thing. Beige, banal, all those words. Before we completely tear it apart, which is essentially what we're doing, what can we point out something that you liked about it now my memory of the film is poor so i i honestly can't answer that question if i'm completely honest maybe, but maybe you've seen it a lot there must have been something that maybe. comes to mind but was there the chemistry between picard and um main villager women we don't even know what her bloody name is <laughs> right that's why as i'm saying it, I'm right. really we, we just don't know what her name is do we so is there anything you like about this film well, as a Star Trek fan, I'm always going to be able to pick out a couple of character moments from anything that's in Star Trek and and probably quite like it, right? Now, if you extend anything to, to, to be too long of length that shouldn't be, it's going to be rubbish, right? Whether it's a song or a movie or whatever, or, 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 or any experience. Now, I'd made this point with Star Trek V, I'd say about 50% of Star Trek V was okay and it was good character scenes and I'm glad that the film existed for that. Maybe with Star Trek Insurrection there's a scene where Geordi gets his eyes back and he sees a sunrise. It's quite a nice moment for the character to show that emotion. But that's like 30 seconds of dialogue and a nice bit of music. Um, Maybe the moment where Picard says to the, the Admiral makes the very good point when does it become wrong Admiral? When it's one person you hurt? Or a hundred, a thousand, or a million. When does it become wrong? And I think that's the thing that maybe people need to hear today. Yeah, I suppose that's an interesting point. Right. That is actually... Now, yeah. And taken on its own, say that was in an episode, or it was in a, say that was in a film, a different film, and Picard delivered that line. I was taking anything away from the actors. They all did their job the best they could, and some of the lines were good. But that does not forgive a whole mess of a film. Like It's like saying... Well, the vomit looks horrible, but there's one fully formed carrot there that looks like you could literally pick it out and eat it. You still wouldn't. It may be recognisable as something, but it's still part of a greater horrendous mass. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's got to be one of the worst metaphors I've ever come up with in my life. It's fitting for the film, maybe. Yeah. Um, carrot. And <laughs> <laughs> vomit. Well, it's that beigey colour we're bringing up again. I'm actually feeling up. quite ill again. Oh god, yeah, this is it's a tough film to to kind of review. Um, having only seen it once, you know, it's uh, you you don't want to kick a film constantly. So I just think it's so unforgivable to have brought this out after First Contact in the year that Star Wars: The Phantom Menace was coming out because they didn't know whether it was going to be trash, did they? They didn't know that. I mean, as a franchise, it was franchise suicide. People often say Star Trek Nemesis is when the when the Star Trek franchise hit terminal decline in its last big run. I think it was this film. I think it was this film that took... I think people went to see this film and then didn't go to see Nemesis. Uh, it's already kind of... Now, Nemesis wasn't that great, but Nemesis is better than this. But they'd lost the groove. Imagine, like, it's like almost like losing your confidence, you know? You do a film like Star Trek First Contact, you're on a high. They could have rushed into doing another great, big, bombastic film again. But they did this, fell down, and then they're trying to pick themselves back up with Nemesis, but they've lost the audience at that point. Yeah. It's like the Jimmy Carter of Star Trek films. Do you it's... know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's just 
failed and it f- and, and and got it wrong and and like and the thing is there's nothing worse than someone who says I'm the big I am I can do this I can do that and runs away. I mean, imagine you had a mate that said, yeah, I'll stick up for you, I'll do anything for you, whatever, and then someone came pounding on your door and they were running out the back door and left you. That's what Insurrection did. First contact was like this big Vin Diesel of a guy, and then Insurrection was like, I don't even know, like everybody I don't want to remember. Well, I suppose we've kind of covered most of it, and do we even, who did the score for this one? It was, it was Jerry uh, Goldsmith. But I suppose... But even then, <clears throat> even even then with, the, with Jerry Goldsmith's score, it wasn't particularly memorable and had too much weird synthy stuff going on. It was like someone didn't have a rain on him either. There was no control over any aspect of this film. I don't know. If there was some other score, would that film have been I think, absolutely amazing? I think if they cut it down to 45 minutes and gave it a different score and it made it an episode, it would have been fine. It would have been a perfectly fine Star Trek episode if it had been cut to 45 minutes. Half of the crap had been cut out of it. The, the overly... The overblown craziness at the end where Picard's running around like flipping... I mean, that's the thing that really annoys me about it is you get all this rubbish and then at the very end somehow Captain Picard decides to become Bruce Willis for five minutes and puts a vest on that's running around inside this giant, gigantic ship that nobody's even seen up to this point. Where did it come from? You know? I mean, I, I, I'm very, really confused by a, a film in the Star Trek franchise because I kind of know what's going on. But I think the film had lost me at this point. I'm really... I remember... Well, he shot a fireball into this guy's face and he flew off the... He killed the guy. He, he brutally murdered this guy. Picard would never do that. Like, this guy was standing there and Picard was like... He said some some cheesy line like... I can't remember. It's like the kind of thing that, like... What's his face? Someone like Jean-Claude Van Damme would say. And, and, usually. and then shoots the guy and then beams off. And kind of smirks at him as he gets vaporised, you know? But I don't know. I mean, who am I to judge? Well, I suppose I've not murdered anyone, so I can I can judge that, but... Alright. Uh, we're, we're not going to make this a long podcast. I don't feel like kicking a film is not... doesn't make, make a great long podcast. You know, you can kind of sum up relatively quick. If it's just picking it apart just to be kicking it, I don't... Yeah, I don't know if I like that as a long thing. We've summarised, and I feel like you can only talk about how you feel, I suppose. Yeah. But you can only say how you feel so many different ways before you're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It was boring and we didn't really like it very much and we were disappointed by it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I was relatively disappointed because you'd set this up as not a great film. You'd given me some pretty low expectations. However, having previously listened to our previous podcast, you'd explained that the fifth one, Final Frontier, was by far the worst mm-hmm. film. So in my head, I was like, well, I was pleasantly surprised by that film. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I thought, well, I'm probably going to like this as well. Mm. But no, uh, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, we're getting, we're essentially going to come to the rating, I think. Oh, God. And this is going to be a bad one. No, it's a two for me. I wouldn't go as far as a one. Because to me, a one star film is actually offensively bad. Like... <laughs> I wouldn't even give the prequels one because there's points in them that are, you know, there's promise in things. And again, yeah. you can see promise here. Well, like you said, the actors aren't bad and there's moments that are fine. But it's not their responsibility, is it? It's, exactly. But it's the director and the producers. Yeah. And, and If you're taking the part, the film, you kind of have to look at it all and there is enough to give it at least a two star rating. 
it does not meet a three star rating, which I would consider the kind of film you could actually recommend to people and say, you know, given this caveat, you might enjoy this film. I would usually skip this. See if it wasn't for doing reviews. There's nothing in this film that ties it together to any of the rest in terms of a continual story. And there's nothing in it that you would miss. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, It is an entirely skippable movie. And for that reason, I would give it a two as well. I'd give it a two because you might as well watch it once for a couple of the bits in it that you might as well see one time. But it's never one you're going to want to watch again. Really. And and it's you know it's not the actor's fault, it's not the composer's fault, it's not anybody's fault other than the people that made the decision to greenlight this movie after First Contact in the year of The Phantom Menace coming out, and it was such a bad decision. I think that clouds it for me as well. I remember how I felt coming out of the cinema thinking, oh my god, everybody I know is going to be like, ha ha, there's another crap Star Trek film. Do you know what I mean? Like, all the Star Wars fans are going to be on the internet again. Like, because I used to go on the internet in 1999, do you know what I mean? And, and on forums and things, like... That's what it was like. Did you try and defend it at the time? No. No. See, the thing is, I may be a big Star Trek fan, but I am not an, a biased man. I will completely trash my own side if it comes to it, like, if it's if it has to happen. Do you know what I mean? And I hope that's that's a sign of the fact that my opinions can be trusted in some way, that I'll never say something's good just because I'm a fan of a franchise. Never, ever. Never will do that. Always call out the bad, like, even if it's part of something that you love. Like, you've got to be able to recognise it. <sighs> Very true, very true. And that goes for anything in life. Mm-hmm. Well then, so two-star review for Star Trek Insurrection. So far, the weakest film we've done for this series. Uh, yeah. It's not a sad thing, though. It was, you know, that was an experience that we had that day. Well, it certainly was for you, lying flat on the, my floor, my brain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that somehow added to it almost fitted this film mm. for you like it's just well that says it all you know first content didn't give you a migraine <laughs> no uh so we've got star trek uh nemesis, nemesis. yeah I, I keep wanting to say star trek 10 nemesis well you can if you want i mean i've been a bit pedantic about that i'm just going with what the studio calls them but well that, that is star trek 10 we'll call it star trek Nemesis, as that's what it's released as. Uh, now, this is the thing. After watching Insurrection, I have now seen all the Star Trek films. Because we've watched ne- uh, Nemesis years ago. In fact, I mm-hmm. can actually say this is the first Star Trek film I've, I'd ever seen. Because you watched, you showed me it years ago. Maybe about 10 years ago at least. I think it would even more than that, because it came out in 2002. Well, I mean, I'm talking... You were just trying to get me to watch a film when we were drunk or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so I had watched it. No context. Didn't know any of these characters. Didn't know who Tom Hardy was at the time. I know he was a newcomer at that point. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one of his first big roles. Yeah. So I'm kind of intrigued from that perspective to kind of to see a young Tom Hardy uh, before he starts doing his accents. Is this still recording? It is now. Or what? It is now, yeah. It was just all paused on the screen. Buffering, but I think it's still recording. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure we didn't lose that. Yeah, we had nearly had a moment there. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to this in a sense. I'm hoping it's at least more energetic than Insurrection. It is definitely more energetic. It's got a bit more bite to it. There's a lot more that happens in it. But the thing is that they kind of missed the boat on it. The timeline of Generations First Contact and Insurrection, the years that those came out, was the last time that those characters could really have done 
some big crazy action type films and they only did one by the time Nemesis came out in 2002 they were all that little bit older it was kind of time for them to move on and it seems a bit sort of like Nemesis to me it's almost like your dad not your dad personally but just like anyone's dad at a party with all your friends and all you and your friends are doing some kind of like physical exertion thing or something and your dad decides to like put on the old harness again and get back in in the action and then just everybody's like oh my god what's he doing do you know what I mean? That's what Nemesis is a bit well, like. I would fit in with the sort of recent uh, dad action films like uh, the Taken series and all that sort uh-huh. of films that, you know. But like the yeah. aging action star has kind of been a thing in the last 10 years. Yeah, but that's been done in a very specific way. I think it's it's almost kind of... Almost knowing. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a... Whereas you don't ever feel like those those are trying too hard. There's a There's a... There's a tacit understanding that there's experience there. And weirdly enough, Star Trek VI was a bit like that because the Enterprise crew was older. But that was acknowledged. Whereas it feels like they're trying to, like... The reason I bring up the dad thing is that sometimes someone wants to appear younger than they are, relive some kind of thing that maybe the time has passed. That's what Nemesis feels like a little bit. It just feels a bit that way. It's a little bit sad. But, you know, it's got one of the best space action sequences in... The whole lot. I mean, it's it's a very long, very exciting sequence. So it's okay. quite it's quite fun. I'm it's a... just fun just to sit and watch. I mean, it's you're not going to like come out of it with a PhD, <laughs> but you know you'll sit there and just go, ah, oh, this is quite it's quite cool. I guess I've so already got four PhDs from the four really good Star Trek films I've already watched anyway. So. All right, I thought you were going to see all those online universities you signed uh, up to. Yeah. <laughs> University of the island of I don't even know. You can actually do that. You can buy degrees online. Uh, Become a doctor. What, just buy them? Yeah, just buy them. They'll certify you. Well, in what? Like, in anything you want? <laughs> Another thing you can do. Do you know but how you... Surely, do... does that not get checked? Well, no, not, not a lot of the time. If you see a CV and someone says doctor or whatever, like, how often when you're checking a CV do you phone the uni and go, are they actually a doctor? Uh, by the way, another thing, now you've got that thing where you're a lord. Mm, oh yeah, I'm a but... lord, by the way. I want you to do something where you you sign up to be a baron so that you could be Baron Barry. Mm. I think that'd be quite cool. All right, then. I will do that. Signing off. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I've been thinking about that all day, actually. But yeah. Really? That's no. what you've been thinking about all day? Well, a little bit of the day. You've got too much time on your hands. Okay, on that note, we're going to uh, sign off and uh, you'll next hear from us in terms of the star, the Captain's Log project for the 10th film, Star Trek Nemesis. Until then, I, uh, I'm signing off, Lord Barry, and just regular Joe Francis Murphy over here. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's me. All right, well, then. Adieu. Bye. a test. We're about to talk about a film that we're not very keen on. Francis? Yes, we are. Okay, so I'll talk here and the level seem about right for about this length that I'd be speaking at. Francis, back to you. I'm going to sound like someone who's trying to sell something from Marks and Spencer. You sound like you're trying to do the toilet.
I am. Don't put this in the podcast. It's my favorite couch. I know. That's why I'm doing it. You fucking dick. Shut up. Anyways, that's probably enough of a test. I was actually going back to the old days there. Well, let's do another testing. It looks like the volume's actually better than it's been for ages somehow. What's going on? It's just computer's pausing for some reason. See, that's what I'm worried about. I almost feel like I should let it update. Oh my god. See, See if it fucking tries to update while we do this. Let's hope not. 